Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. I would love people to start seeing that their phone is them in tech form. So it's their data, it's their interests, it's their, it's a capture of where they've spent their time. So really seeing the phone as an extension of their hands and themselves. Well, we've all been pushed around. Hello and welcome to It's Complicated, the podcast to help you untangle your relationship with your phone. I'm Tanya Goodin, and each week I'll be talking to my guests about how they manage the relationship with the tiny tyrant in their pocket. We'll be talking about how our phone habits affect our work, our lives and our loves, and about what our relationship with our phone might just tell us about our relationship with ourselves. If you want help and you want hope, you've come to the right place. This is It's Complicated. One of the brilliant things about doing this podcast is that I get to meet the most amazing and fascinating people and I'm just learning such a huge amount from all of them. And that was definitely the case with my guest this week, Shei Akawowo who is a British-Nigerian women's rights activist and campaigner and the founder of Nonprofit Glitch, which she set up to campaign to end gender-based abuse against women online. An incredibly impressive young woman. She was selected as the Amnesty International Human Rights Defender in 2018 and the Digital Leader of the Year in 2019. And last year, the London Evening Standard listed her as one of their top most influential people for the year. I learned such a huge amount from this chat with her, not just about the really shocking statistics about gender-based abuse online, but actually some really useful and practical advice from her about what we can all do, whether it's happening to us or whether we're witnessing it happening to other people. And she certainly made me think quite hard about my own behaviour online and what I might do differently in the future. It was a really fascinating chat and I hope you enjoy it. 
So, Shay, thanks so much. Thank Welcome you. to It's Complicated. Thanks for having me, um, I'm really excited because you've actually just been on Woman's Hour this morning yeah. while I've been waiting for you. Um, so it's fantastic that the conversation about digital citizenship is now getting national airtime. Mainstream. Yeah, and it's about time, isn't it? Yeah, for exa- exactly. It's about time because... Until we start getting the right language and making it every day, we're going to not know how to navigate the online space. We keep treating it like it's this virtual world, but actually yeah. it's a, very much an extension of our offline public spaces. So I'm really glad that more people are saying it and more people are finding different ways to call it what it is. So yeah. the emphasis was more on digital sisterhood, but it is still digital citizenship around understanding that with all rights comes responsibilities and responsibilities maybe about being an active bystander and intervening safely and effectively when someone's facing abuse or just might be about being responsible with your platform and making sure you're not sharing disinformation around the virus and around like fake news and making sure you're just being responsible with your platform. So I've read a lot about what you've written and about all your various interviews and one of the things that I'm really sensitive not to do, because you talk about it a lot, is that when women talk about or when they're asked about abuse in the online space, we're re-victimising them by asking them to, to kind of go into details of what happened. But I'd really like you to tell our listeners in whatever way you want to about why you ended up founding Glitch in the first place because it did come out of an experience that you had. So can you take us back to kind of what happened? First of all, I want to acknowledge what you've just done, which I think is about giving me the agency to tell my own story. And what tends to happen with media outlets and mainstream media is exactly what you said. They ring fence you to be this victim rather than one, a survivor. And they also make you say, tell us how it felt. Well, how do you think it felt? (laughs) How bad was it? Yeah, (laughs) like that that kind of victimisation of women is we've got to kind of counteract that as, as women. So just to acknowledge that you've, I think you've opened the question really well and given me agency. So Glitch started off as an accident. I call it an oops baby on the back of receiving horrendous abuse when a video of a speech that I made went viral. And then it turns out it was posted on a neo-Nazi website and I just was on the receiving end of abuse across many platforms. And it was particularly bad on YouTube and um, I just really was frustrated by the response from Twitter given that I use Twitter to get elected or to support my election as a local councillor. I was one of the youngest councillors to be elected in my area. I used Weren't it, you the youngest? I try not to say the, just in case I don't erase somebody. If somebody comes <laughs> It comes in like, it was me. But yeah, I think it was profound that like yeah. being a young black woman, when the makeup and demographic of a councillor, the average is like 56 years old, white male. It used to be 58, so we've made great progress in 20 years. Wow. So I was just really just taken back. And it felt like, and it sounds really silly to still say this three years on, but it felt like I was being let down by an adult figure by Twitter when I was reporting the abuse and it was going nowhere. Mm. And when I was able to use my contacts and networks and to some extent some privilege to be able to get a response from social media companies like it took going on ITV London for Twitter to do a statement and they still said we don't comment on individual cases it just felt like oh my gosh like I've been the good girl in your classroom and I've been now punished because somebody else has been mean and you don't see me and I just felt like that was an experience that so many women were sharing online 
and also women at that time also didn't feel like they could talk about the abuse they were going through because it one it could lead to more abuse or two mm. it makes you look mm. weaker and it can affect your campaign there's so many research and evidence into why women don't speak out about their trauma and I was just a bit like no I'm not going to have this like I love the internet I love how I've been able to f shape and reshape my identity and meet people that I've some I probably never meet in real life and I felt like there were these glitches that were stopping the internet from fulfilling its fullest potential. And it's it, and the internet should be a place where particularly marginalised communities, women should be able to self-express when they haven't been able to do that as much on the in offline. And I just the more I talk about it, the more I get more annoyed and I realise why I started this campaign. And there was just such this groundswell of support from people saying something has to be done. And there's, there has been no other campaign like it in the UK and Europe yet it's been a huge discussion in the global south for so long so it just felt like it was something that had to be done and I think it was just the right opportunity just the, a very harmful hurtful story that made it possible and so for three years now we've been doing stuff around advocacy with the UN on on an international framework we've been lobbying the government around legislation and around a tech tax so that money can be taken from these very very wealthy corporates to go into education and go into um, prevention work and go into empowering civil society groups and empowering our law enforcement who are completely stretched and don't have the capacity mm. or the training to provide legislative or legal framework or support to victims and survivors and we do a lot of work on the kind of short-term stuff as well. So women who are leaving the online space because of abuse or because of the fear of it, we're having this exodus of amazing, talented, brilliant women. Well, hasn't that just happened with the election? Yes. I mean, I'm really aware of that, that so many women left Parliament... And actually, when you asked why, a lot of them said it was the abuse they were getting on yeah, Twitter. Yeah. yeah, so we're doing so much work to like get, you know, 50-50 representation. It's like we're filling this well and then now our bucket has holes in it <laughs> and mm. it's taken twice as long and taken twice as much of the effort. And so we've got this short-term intervention around digital self-care and self-defence training and we offer that for MPs we've done it in you know in Botswana we've done it in Canada we do it for women in public life we'll do it for yourself anyone who wants to be online have a profile we provide training on how to set boundaries and feel more confident and we've got have amazing results from it and so we really want to make sure that we're reaching as many people as possible with that but we also know that we need to look at long-term intervention which goes back to legislation which goes back to education from an early age around what does it mean to be a digital citizen and knowing that we can hold these tech companies to account I think for so long we just thought that was the status quo we couldn't do yeah. anything about it but we can we can ask for more and we should you know Facebook has 2.3 billion monthly active users that's more than china that's like more than europe yet all those countries i've just mentioned have a helpline have someone you can call when you're in an, in, in an emergency who do you call when you're in an emergency on facebook when there's a whole closed facebook group dedicated to taking inappropriate photos of women on public transports when they're eating food or you know there's incel grooming happening with our working class men who are being led in this channel to hate women like what's happening there when are we going to call that out who can we call there we need to do something about it legislation wise i think what i find really interesting about your platform is when you were sharing some of the stats about the extent of this because i mean i've worked online for gulp 25 years so obviously i've had lots of experiences of you know trolling and you know kind of online stalking and but i think for a long time those of us who had those experiences thought we were in the minority. Right. We just didn't realise the extent of it. And a couple of stats that you shared, well, I mean, one of them was about, you know, the, the 
women being abused, but black women, 84% more likely to be mentioned yeah. in abusive tweets. I was really shocked when I saw that. And that's why it's so important that we are able to share our stories and have agency in, in storytelling because we're going to see the biggest, I think, breakthrough in our workshops is just providing a space for women around the world, around the country, coming together and saying, oh my gosh, I experienced that too and I didn't know that was abuse or that's yeah. what the men do to me in my political party or that's what's happened to me on this particular platform. Like, that shared experience is just, it's its magical. It's, it's tough, it's a tough room to be in, but it's magical because you no longer feel like you're on your own and isolated. And when you know as well that women are 27 times more likely to be harassed or black women are 84% more likely to be harassed, there's two ways to take that. One, it helps you realise, okay, it's not personal. I'm just in this yeah. matrix of patriarchy that's extended online. And and two, it makes you think, okay, I need to think about my self-defence. I know when I'm navigating the offline space, it's not fair, but we know what to do as women to stay a bit safer, right? So we don't leave our drinks unattended when we're out in the bar or in the club. We don't go walking at night or jogging at night in in dark parks or alleyways. We know how we're getting home if we're having a night out. We've got a designated driver. Like we've just had to be conditioned to do these things to navigate patriarchy mm. offline. So we have to do that same self-defense mechanisms online. And that's how I see those stats to try not to make me fear fearful and when I share them I don't want people to feel fearful I want people to feel like we've got to do something to reclaim our online spaces and see it as a public space like our libraries and our schools and not sit back and just allow it to be hijacked so one of the things I realized I've done as I've spent more and more time online in trawling through all your information is that I've self-edited Right. I was very aware of that when I read um, I think you had one stat that said 63% of your workshop attendees said they self-edited themselves online and I thought yeah that's that's definitely what I do I had bad experiences very early on I learned there were things that actually just weren't good news to share so for example I don't ever tweet about politics mm -hmm. I don't get involved I don't I find that you know the whole conversation is so toxic yeah. and any opinion you state you're likely to get attacked so I wanted to ask you you know is that a good thing? Is that self-care or is that actually not what we should be doing? Because the more I read about your work, the more I'm thinking, actually, you know, I'm not sure that choice was the right choice. Yeah. So if you asked me this question three, four weeks ago, I'd have been like, I'm going to help you come back online and like be expressive. And we need to have your opinion on politics and the fact that we can't even talk about public politics on an online public space is scary. Women's voices are being missed. We've just seen the the demographic makeup of all the select committees of our key key departments, our key select committees in in the UK, and how the majority of them are men. Like mm. women's voices are being so siloed and 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 being taken away. And so I get so annoyed by the fact that women can't self express. But after the incident with like the Daily Mirror and thinking that I, you know, and knowing that I am still quite a strong person. What was the incident with the Daily Mirror? So the Daily Mirror, there was a journalist who inappropriately mistook a, a tweet about uh, an interview that I did on the BBC One show with Alex Jones. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah. And it was about Caroline Flack and it was about mental health. And this day, this first iteration of the Daily Mirror article was just horrible. It was painting me out to be an aggressive black woman. It was, you know, bringing glitch into it. Then there was the comment section unmoderated and these horrible racist things that people were saying. And it was until that article, I never got trolled. But after that, that's when the trolling started. And I was like, 
oh my gosh, I was doing a good thing. I, was talk- I wasn't even talking anything controversial. I wasn't talking about race. I wasn't talking about white supremacy. I was talking about mental health post-Caroline Flack and what our responsibility is. And the Daily Mirror just like threw me under the, the, under the, under the bus. And then after all of that, having amazing support from people and organisations, Stonewall, UK Black Pride, MPs, and they all signed this open letter. There was like over 100 signatures and we got a retraction from the Daily Mirror or we got a, a very edited version of, of, of the article. I was knackered. Mm. I was so, I was so tired. I was so, I was so upset. I was so, like, I don't know if I can keep doing this anymore. And, and, and I, and I gained a lot of followers, like, I want to say something like three to 5,000 followers across my platform. So I now feel very much hyper-visible. And so I am, being really honest, I'm going through a transition of how I'm using the online space. I've done a digital detox for the... I was going to ask you about that. I just saw you've just done one. I've just done one and I've come back a little bit doing a post uh, International Women's Day, but I've been talking to the team and saying, like, I need to live and breathe what we give advice to other women, right? And right now I feel very vulnerable online. Yeah. And so I'm going to change my relationship with a little a little bit so that was a roundabout way of saying if self-censoring comes from a place of self-care I support you 100% because I'm not going to be with you 24-7 when the trolls are at in you or the trolls are in your head or you're at home but if self-censor is coming from a place where you are scared then I think that needs to be unpacked and looked at and looked at ways that you could still share your opinions or still be active online without it being like without you putting yourself in danger so there are still steps before having to completely you know self-censor I think you could schedule tweets you could you could have somebody write it for you you could have a closed account you could have on Instagram now I like that you can send Instagram stories to your closed friends like there's still Mm. degrees and phases before completely self-censoring but if it comes from a place of self-care and it's a season own that season and I hope that I come back in some way that is equally as powerful and equally my own agency but right now I mean, I used to like wake up in the morning and do good morning messages with people and ask them, so how do you cut your toast in triangles or in square squares or uh, ask people what's the most, what's the biggest sin a London commuter can make? Not having their Oyster card or bank card ready at the barriers or standing on the left hand side. And it would be a great conversation. And I miss that. But I know that it comes at an expense of being a black, hyper visible, unapologetic black woman. And do I want to keep taking that fight when? My biggest priority is serving my team, Glitch, and serving that community. And so I'd rather spend my energy there than having to keep slaying all the trolls. Yeah. So your digital detox, did it just come out of the incident with the mirror? Or was it kind of other things that made you think, actually, I need to take a, a break? Because you took about a week off. I took about a week off and I just came back on the night. So I did a belated International Women's Day post. And then obviously I wanted to tweet that I was on BBC Women's yeah, Hour. So, yes. so I came on for that. <laughs> But um, the thing that really helped, I went on a leadership retreat. So I'm on this fellowship with A Million Realities. So shout out to the amazing team. And we were away. I'm not going to say where we are. Where we went. Um, but we were physically away. And there wasn't a real opportunity to not be with my phone and engage with the therapist that we had and really work on myself. And it was amazing. So I didn't have a clue about Elizabeth Warren. I didn't have a clue about what was happening with Meghan Markle or the virus and... 
it just must meant, have been blissful. It not was having to so to blissful, and I think that's the point as well. Digital detox isn't just about coming away from the abuse; it's the level of information and bad information you're fed as well. And so, then my last big digital detox I did was around Black Lives Matter, the height of it, because I just couldn't keep, I just couldn't see another black body being maimed and abused and being violated. I just couldn't see, I didn't want to see that anymore, another live stream of a, of a black man being shot. And so it's not always about the abuse. Sometimes it's just the level of toxicity as well. Mm. You just don't want to see and put yourself against. And I, and I just think I've got a finite amount of energy and energy can be transferred, right? So who, who what is zapping my energy? It's, it's constantly being told that, oh, we got a stockpile and, oh, my God, the royal family is collapsing and... When actually I want to serve that with, you know, strategy and fundraising and creative campaigns and coming on here. If I, you know, if I did that digital detox, I probably would be knackered and probably wouldn't be able to yeah. have done, <laughs> done this podcast. So one of the things you've been um, accused of, and I have as well, um, <laughs> is being an internet hater. Yes. And I, I listened to an interview you did and I, I so identified with that because, I mean, it's this whole <laughs> thing about criticism, isn't it? That, you know, even though I've worked in the online world, because I'm now questioning it, you get that, well, you know, you hate everything about the internet. And I wondered if you thought that's just another way of shutting us up by saying, clearly you hate all of it. We're not going to listen to anything you say. Whereas actually what we're just saying is we need to talk about this. Yeah. And it's funny. Um, I get called an internet hater more by women than I do, do by you? men. That's interesting. Yeah. With me, I think it's more men, but maybe, In- yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's more women and it's more influencers. It's more yeah, yeah. people who think I'm criticising their way. That their they way are, of life. Their yeah. way of life and they're making money, yeah. which is not the case. No, I laugh at being called an internet hater or, yeah, a doom and gloom or a Debbie Downer. And it's not that, like, that's why Glitch is yellow. That's why Glitch is called Glitch, because it's about these little things that are stopping this internet, this what should be a social good, right? That's what Sir Tim Berners-Lee, who created the WWW, said. He wanted it to be a social good. There are these glitches that are stopping it. And so my passion, which could be mistaken as anger, but I would also challenge that, is that because I'm a black woman and everything we do is aggressive? Um, or seen as to be aggressive. My passion for wanting to the internet to be enjoyed the way I enjoyed it when I had MSN and I had MySpace, I see that going. And so I I think that gets mistaken as me being a hater. But also equally, it's, it's easy just to dismiss a woman yeah. who's talking about online abuse and harassment as saying she's just a hater. No. And I think why Glitch is still been successful in the haters calling me a hater are very minimal because we also offer solutions we don't just criticize and rightly so hold tech companies accountable we also provide recommendations and solutions we go to meetings we review product designs we we provide a platform for those that come to our workshops talk to twitter or feed into reforms and reviews of policies so i feel like that gives us the kudos to say excuse me no we don't like that or that was wrong Mm. but yeah people who call me a hater I, i honestly laugh at it because you don't know how much I enjoy being online. So, My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. 
Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah. about some of those practical strategies because I loved in your TED talk when you talked about that for you digital self-care is Idris Elba yes <laughs> so if he's listening um that's a very important part of your self-care My, mine would be Chris Hemsworth oh um but only in his Thor long hair phase oh my god yes Avengers <laughs> totally um so what else what how can we practice good digital self-care yeah so the first thing is around boundaries I think so self-care at its core is about boundaries and about your needs and about setting a framework that allows you to live a flourishing life without having to always escape it right and having to minimize the risk of burnout so when you have those themes in your mind thinking about how much time you want to be online and where you want to be online you can't do everything you can't be on everything right so that's the first thing, just managing the space that you're in, the community that you're in and, and knowing what your parameters are. And then the second thing I would say is really understanding how the platform settings can work for you. Like blocking, muting and filtering are really key tips and tools that you can use. So sometimes it can be awkward when you block somebody that everyone really likes but you just don't like what they're saying <laughs> you've talked about blocking Piers Morgan I've, I've blocked and muted Piers Morgan still somehow because of Good Morning Britain trending it will appear on my through. trending yeah. but it means I'm not getting it constantly I block and mute um, Katie Hopkins like I mentioned before I, I muted Black Lives Matter for a while I've muted Love Island I don't watch it I just don't want to keep seeing it on my timeline when I was heavily party political I actually muted those key words because I wanted to see 
life from other res from other residents mm. and other people, not just those in my echo chambers and bubbles. And so the muting and filtering options are really powerful because one, it helps you let, have less toxicity come into your kind of space, but also it stops you or prevents the kind of echo chambers that these platforms can create. So you think that you're in a bubble, which is nice, and you know, in a sisterhood bubble or black Twitter or feminist Twitter or hashtag Me Too, but sometimes the way the platforms are designed they can create these echo chambers meaning that you're having blind spots or it can be quite exclusive or clicky and so again muting and filtering just allows you to make sure you're able to get other bits of news coming in and then my final tip is communicating with people I think like women have been so conditioned to serve other people and serve communities and so we don't have the natural uh, confidence to communicate no and communicate our boundaries so just communicating with like your employers if they're the ones that are asking you to keep doing public facing stuff or you know political party keeps saying you know go and speak on question time when you know the abuse that's going to happen when you come on question time and just being able to communicate and say okay I will do this you know I've had to do it I've had to do it with the with our trustee board and say, look, if I'm going to do any more media work, particularly after the Daily Mirror stuff, we need to live and breathe what we're saying to people and have our own policies and processes in place to make sure that I feel so supported by like my squad that I can go out there into the trenches and fight and then come back and mm. know that I'm going to be... Knowing that they've got your back. Knowing that I've got they've got my back. And so I think the third tip is around communicating. Sometimes as well, communicate with friends and family like... You know, mum's thinking it's funny to post throwback photos to a naked photo of you on Facebook and tagging you. Like, knowing. I get a lot of that in schools actually. Do saying you? that the kids saying that their parents and grandparents are posting stuff that is oh. really embarrassing them and they're finding it really difficult to deal with. Yeah. So, again, digital self care doesn't just apply to online abuse, it applies to these kind of things as well that it's about an invasion of your privacy or yeah. your, your data self, your online self is being, is being, um, uh, being abused in a way well abuse is a bit, a bit of a hard word it's, be, it's being your boundaries are being pushed yeah and I think yeah a lot of young people tell us in our workshops when we go into schools that them um, how can I have a conversation with my mum who thinks it's funny to post these and I just say you know try and have a conversation around the risks and the opportunities and actually asking consent and getting practice in that conversation of consent in the house is a way of trying to get parents to see it but yeah it's really hard, but communicating friends, family, when you go on holiday, making sure they're not putting a tag location of where you're at, making sure that your your niece or your daughter isn't on Snapchat saying that, hey, we're on a family holiday to Marbella and the mm, house is vacant. We've all left the house. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. So there's this, this practicing communication. Yeah. And the more that we communicate our digital self-care, and even though we feel like a bit like a diva or we feel like we're asking for too much, the more we make it a norm, the more we make it a cultural shift. And, you know, the quote from Audre Lorde, who talks about self-care being an act of political revolution, she was talking about a specific context, but my revelation on that is that we, as women who can communicate our self-care is a revolutionary act because for once women won't have to keep serving, but we will be served and our needs will be met. So I love your um, description of how important it is for us to be active bystanders. Um, I was really struck by it because I thought... You know, in a physical space, if I was in the tube and I saw a woman being harassed, I would definitely intervene. I would definitely, you know, kind of do How my How would bit. you intervene? Uh, I would probably make out that she was a friend, yes. go over, start talking to yes. her, you know, sit down near next to her, yeah. chat to her to make yeah. somebody else kind of go away, yeah. I think, um, if we were on our own. Yeah. 
And I think, you know, your your idea that we should do that in the online space is really interesting. And I probably haven't done that enough. So tell me how I would best do that. Is it very similar then to yeah. that space? Yeah, it's exactly why I asked you. So what would you do offline? And you can just translate that online. So, you know, intervening and having the conversation. So if you see that I'm engaging with a troll, for example, like distract me by having a conversation about my original tweet and and we can have a conversation then. The one that means that the troll the trolls know that like there is there's support behind this person and two it helps be a distraction from the the negative yeah there's academic research behind active bystander interventions and so we've really been pushing that as a practical solution to reclaiming our online spaces as digital citizens and we recommend to report to report the abuse so a lot of people just scroll just ignore it yeah. i think oh gosh she's having a hard time but, get involved. but i yeah. said a couple of weeks ago we all knew kind of knew that caroline flat was going through a hard time online but did anyone really report anything did anyone report the the articles that were written by about her to the necessary powers that be we which did, have all disappeared which yeah. have all been deleted so yeah i think rep- reporting is really key um replying to the posts originally attended as you said so in engaging engaging amplifying the original message because the worst thing what they want when when these specific trolls because trolling has many forms but specific people who are specifically trolling you who are organized are trying to distract from your message so they would jump on hashtags like me too or black lives matter or mega mark or you know feminist if i use the feminist hashtag i can guarantee it's all gonna come men's rights activists come for it they're i don't know who is paying them or international women's day so what, what makes me laugh every year is every year when i use that hashtag i get a load of tweets going there isn't a day for men and i go yes Yes, there there is is. it's in november yeah here it is is. yeah exactly um so the the their but their tactic is to to get to lose to make sure your yeah, message is lost. So you lose what, your thread exactly. Yeah. So what you can do is amplify the original message, and then the final thing is to support them. Slide into their direct messages, send them an email, a postcard. It's fifty p. You know, post it to their office or something like. Let's just go back to like just like really small acts of kindness and. You know, I I don't think Glitch would be what it is if it wasn't for the acts of kindness of people that I'd known and strangers who supported me at that time and made me feel so supported. And so you just don't know what your one bit of like, I've seen you, what's going what's happening is wrong. I'm here to listen if you want to talk. I'm here to we'll go for a walk with you. Or like I say, send me in pictures of Idris Elba. Like that. <laughs> You've could, heard it here. That's what we have to do. Yes, yeah, it works. Um, and yeah that just helps again that person so a little bit of a little bit of um kindness or a little act of um support can really go a long a long way actually i did have that happen to me because i was being trolled by a, an american academic about something and a, and a female academic oh, no. sent me a direct message oh. saying don't worry about him I blocked him ages ago, you know, just ignore him. And actually, it, it felt great that she took the time to do that, nice. that she noticed what was going on. Nice. And she said, actually, we've all struggled with this guy a bit, don't let it great. worry you. And I was able to, I was actually getting quite wound up about it, but I was able yeah. to completely move on. Yeah, we've got some information on our website. It's um, fixtheglitch.org forward slash a little means a lot, A-M-A-L. Um and it's report it's the it's the graphics and you can share that with other people and say look if you see me go for abuse or you see me go for this particular time i would love you to do one of these four things so yeah. you actually again going back to your the digital self care tips communicating with people because sometimes they don't know what to do yeah, like i remember yeah. that my you know my, some of my best sister friends said gave me the worst advice when it came to being online they were like just come off 
just yeah. come off. And it's because they I've care. I've heard that as well. Or just ignore them. Yeah, it, yeah, and it's because they care so much. But like, I was like, that's victim blaming. Like, don't I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm, why should I be punished? And so sometimes our most loved ones haven't yet got the language or the equipment yet to support you. So if you are going to keep being on, you know, online and doing public profiling and whatever it is, giving them the resource so they know how to support you is a really really practical thing as well send me a picture of chris hemsworth okay i can do that (laughs) i can do that so you work with the tech platforms yeah are they doing anything because from where i'm sitting i can't see what's actually going on so tell me what are you aware of that's happening obviously it's not enough whatever it is but what are they actually trying to do yeah progress is slow and i you know i will i will say that here i say that to their faces i say that online progress is slow and you know you make one bit of progress because i think twitter uk is really good it's head up headed up by a really good effective leader um but twitter uk is a small 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 team in comparison to you know the us and you know other countries and so you make such a small headway with a particular department or a particular team and then you know jack dorsey or mark zuckerberg goes and announces something like they're not gonna verify fake news by political mm. candidates on their platform and it's a bit like what are you doing but yeah i would definitely say progress is not is not going far enough i think there's a now a shift though from particular platforms to know that it can't just be well one a recognition around gender-based violence i think you're talking to campaigners who've been in the space longer than me that wasn't even acknowledged before. It used to be just children and terrorism that they dealt with. But now I think, and us entering the space, we've helped with that effort to say, look, gender-based violence exists. People are aware of these stats now. And so tech companies, okay, right, we've got to do something around women. And they've got specific focus groups or campaigns, which is great. Although then they still need to work on their diversity of their tech, of the companies in the first place and stop having the products being designed with these problems in the first place. But anyway, going off on a tangent... So alongside the like recognition of gender-based violence, even though the policies need to need to be updated to understand that and understand dehumanising language around particularly intersectional groups as well, mm. because I'm not just a woman, I'm a black woman, so yeah. I'm going to get double forms of oppression. And imagine now adding sexuality and disability to that. But I do think there's a finally a shift in understanding that that the platforms can't just keep relying on you as the individual to keep reporting the abuse, that there needs to be some more proactive approach. And so there has been more investment in algorithms and tech solutions to try and be a bit more proactive. There's been more investment in how you can be an active bystander to call things out, which I think does mirror what the police do, right? The police can only do so much proactive detective work. We need to report it. We need to report it and we need to report crimes that we see, like, you know, in the park and stuff. So I, I see that. So I think that's been good. But the biggest thing I think the companies are not doing is they're not parting away with money. And one, I don't think they're always the experts. Two, I don't think everyone's going to trust them, and rightly so. And three, the civil society groups are the ones that are delivering on the ground. So why not have a portion of money being ring-fenced for them? So there'll be this new tech tax that will come out next month. It was announced under the previous, previous Chancellor, Philip Hammond, and that's going to be... some of that needs to go towards this issue. Absolutely. £400 billion a year is expected to be generated from this tax. Why is it that football stadiums have to pay towards a extra policing for when there's a match? I know that happened quite a lot when I was a councillor. Why is that that um, particular nightclubs or stadiums when there's there's an event pay for extra security? I mean, 
when, have you, when's the last time you've been to a club or a bar in London that hasn't had security on the door? It, yeah. So why can't there be a portion of that money being invested into law, law enforcement, helping with the proactive work, helping with the joined up thinking amongst the platforms? Because sometimes you don't just get trolled on a singular platform. There's a lot of cross-platform harassment, right? And then why can't a portion of that money go into the education and the training and the digital self-care and self-defense so we don't even need law enforcement in the first place? For me, it just seems like rocket science, but... Um, I don't, yeah, and I think when you, you know when a tech company really cares about da- tackling a, a particular issue and they put money towards it, because you see that with war, you see that with uh, defense, you, you see, you know, there's a lot of money put behind particular initiatives, government and companies. So if they really care about tackling online abuse, then ask them how much money have you spent in the last year on tackling it for women? Mm. I wonder if it will change as more women get to be more senior in those companies as you say yes because i think it's you know the men that i speak to that are the allies are the ones that have had you know wives and daughters that have had bad experiences and and they've it's been personal yes they've just finally got it yeah how bad it is which and is I, why we need a policy because we yeah. can't keep waiting for a man to have a daughter yeah, or a man to have a wife a terrible like exactly yeah, believe believe women in the first place and if you can't believe women have a policy that means you have to you have to yeah Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to solve all these problems no. in, in the time we've got for the podcast. But it's been a great, 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 great conversation, actually. I've got three questions that I always end with. Okay. I just want to end with you. All right. So is there one thing you'd like to say to everyone listening that you'd like them to do differently about their phone tech digital habits? What's the one thing you think? I would love people to start seeing that their phone is them in tech form so it's their data it's their interests it's their it's a capture of where they've spent their time so really seeing the phone as an extension of their hands and themselves and seeing that the platforms that they're on are an extension of their offline communities too i think once you have that perspective it's a game changer you're not going to keep saying yes to these cookies because that's a, that's you basically saying, hey, flashing you. Yeah. You can have everything. Have Take everything I've have got. Everything I've got. You wouldn't. Yeah. And then when you realise that, you realise you've got real agency. And the more of us that can do that, really hold tech to account and really make it... Because God knows, God knows what's going to happen post coming out of the EU properly, right? And GDPR. Like, I'm really worried about our, G- our data privacy. Mm. So, yeah, seeing yourselves as a, as a tech machine, if you like, a robot. And have you got a tip that works for you around getting a good balance around kind of online, offline? So I know you've just had a digital detox for a week, but is there something you do kind of mm. when you're not doing a digital detox that helps you? Yeah. Do you not sleep with your phone in your bedroom? Is that, you know, what kind of tips? I mean, I've just bought an amazing alarm clock. It's been two months now. It's been a game changer. It's a SAD alarm clock, you know, the seasonal. Oh, the light though. Yeah. yeah, so I get a sunrise and a sunset. And lovely. it means I have no ex- I have no excuse to be, have to go to bed with my phone. But my biggest tip when people ask me this is thinking about how you can have daily acts of self-care in your day. So I have mine hot pink in the, in the calendar, so I look forward to it. And it could be just having a full one-hour lunch break. 
It could be going for a walk. It could be having a lie-in. It could be going for a dance class. It could be a massage. You know, it could be things that require spending. It could be having a wax. (laughs) You're getting your nails done. But just having something you look forward to every single day. So you're incorporating self-care as part of your habit and that you're also modifying and adapting your day to fit around self-care because I think the balance has been that we do everything for for productivity we do everything for capitalist notions and narratives but actually we don't do anything really for ourselves we don't fit our day around for ourselves and you know we probably as mothers or carers or whatever have to fit our day around our children or you know those we have caring responsibilities for so let's let's rebalance that let's redress the balance and have it a little bit for ourselves and like I said earlier energy is finite and it can be it can only be transferred so when you're having that annoying four-hour strategic meeting or budget meeting or you're having to, I don't know, do something you really dislike, you know, that's all zapping at your energy. You need to make sure that you've got something that's at least bringing you back to neutral, if not surplus. Fantastic. Um, And what, finally, what have you learned about yourself from your relationship with the digital world? I've had to have a renewal um, around my relationship with time. And I think a lot of it has been down to tech. I think tech is so fast paced. Everything happens instantly and everything, you know, everything you see is, you know, straight away. And I do try very hard to show vulnerability, show behind behind the scenes of glitch. You know, you see me with my face mask and when I don't have, when I've not, I do dance classes as part of my self-care. And sometimes I've, I've, I've smashed a routine, sometimes I've fallen, fallen and I'll, I'll post it. But I've had a really unhealthy relationship with time, whether I don't estimate time properly, I'm not using time to serve me well and serve other people well. And I definitely think that's been around tech. And so I've had to really reflect around um, giving myself breathing time, giving myself saying no more to things and, you know, allowing things to grow, allowing things to not be perfect, allowing things to take time. And that's a real conflict into what you see every single day on the tech space. So, yeah, mm. definitely learn about having a better relationship with time. Um, so just give a quick shout out to everyone for your handles, social media handles, if they want to follow Glitch, which I really recommend. Thank actually. you. Thank you. So we are on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram as at Glitch UK underscore. So please put the underscore in um, and we're there and you can follow me as well um, at Shayi Akiwowo S-E-Y-I-A-K-I-W-O-W-O You spelt that out a lot. I have. And yeah, yeah, support us and join our mailing list because we've got tips in there and we have free events we can invite people to and stuff so yeah fantastic Shay it's been a total joy speaking to you it's been great speaking with you thank you so so much thank you thank you for listening to this episode of It's Complicated if you haven't already please do subscribe rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from It helps other people find us and it means you get a helpful little notification when a new episode becomes available. For more about getting a healthy balance with tech, you can follow me, Tanya Goodin, or Time to Log Off on Instagram and Twitter. And both my books, Off and Stop Staring at Screens, are available on Amazon and at all good bookshops. Finally, for more information about this and other episodes in the podcast series, visit itstimetologoff.com. Time to pray. 
The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.